I'm your host, Bailey Sessoms, and you're listening to CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs. So get ready for some candid conversations with top-level entrepreneurs, dropping gems on building relationships, dishing the raw realities of running a profitable business, and realistic strategies on getting it done. Hey, all my hustlers and CEOs, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of CEO Convo. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about experiential marketing, how to identify, reach, and engage your audience. Our next guest is someone I've known for a very, very, very long time. I met her through a mutual friend while working at BET. She's the CEO of Seven Concepts, and she's also an accomplished business owner with over 25 years of success in higher education and marketing industries, teaching at George Washington University and American Public University. She's a master at strategic planning, marketing, event management, and media relations. You can check out her upcoming event, Creative Entrepreneurs Capital Summit, which is taking place on April the 3rd here in Washington, D.C. Please welcome to the show, Karen Baker. How are you? I'm good. Excited to be on the show. This is great. Thank you, Bailey. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I was like, I know yeah. Campbell's been a very, very long time. I won't say Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, it was, we tell our ages still look good. It's okay. I know, right? We do, we do. Like, no crack. I'm going to just go ahead and put it out there. Yes, we were, we were connecting before we had our little ones, so now it's Very just, much so. Yeah. True. So we went from yeah. entrepreneurs to mamapreneurs, but it's all good. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Excited to be on the show. Well, thank you for joining us. So let's jump right into the scenario. Okay. Um, the scenario we have today is... We are an organization that is B2B and struggling on how to engage our members more. We were considering providing additional programs and services, but in turn, we don't know if we should pass the cost on to our members. We need to get a return on our investment. How do we engage with our customers more, get a return on our investment, and add more value to the marketplace while making a positive impact? So Karen, what advice would you suggest? You know, I think in in that place, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in business, it really is uh, sounds like a point where you need to sit down and look at your mission and your vision or your goal and the objective, depending on whether it's corporate or it's on a nonprofit side. Well, as you say, membership is definitely a nonprofit type of entity. Um, and and look at strategy again. And then the, the question I would also have, are you engaging your members already? Um, because if you are not, then you absolutely are in a place where strategy is extremely important and it's an opportunity to sit down and uh, create something that engages them completely. But the, the other part of it is, you know, you have to ask your members, you know, what do they want? What are they looking for? What are their needs? Uh, and not create something that you think that they want, that you think that they need, because they'll tell you uh, as long as you ask. But if you don't ask, you'll create something that they later say, oh, we weren't really interested in that, and you wonder why it didn't move. And the bad habit people have is they say, oh, they're not interested or they're not um, engaged enough not putting it on the fact that they didn't do the work necessary to strategically be prepared to engage that member. So I would say sit down create a strategic plan, you know, with uh, whoever your stakeholders are, 
um, then engage the members. You know, it could be a short test, you know, um, even just a survey, talking to some of the key members who attend, you know, the events that you have, which is a great opportunity, you know, events itself. And then say, what, what, what are we missing? Well, what do you need? What are you looking for in order to do better in what you do? You know, it doesn't matter whether your organization is striving to be more impactful in climate change or registering more people to vote or, you know, turning around and have some education cause that affects children. You know, you have members, you have constituents, you have people that you're trying to serve because you want to make what the question was, was an impact, you know. But in order to do that, you need these players, you know, which are your members to be very in involved in what you do because they need to amplify your message more. And so the more that you strategize on how to get them involved, then they'll be able to go out and amplify your brand and amplify your message, be champions for what you do, but they'll continue to be members. So it will never be that a membership will come across for renewal and they'll go, mm, should I? I don't know. I'm not sure. They don't get, you know, it won't be that. They'll be like, I'm always getting what I need out of there, absolutely, and, and more. So it was easy for me to turn around and always renew my membership. I don't think twice. So that Mm -hmm. is, you know, really my advice is to sit down strategically and start to plan and then get them engaged, even if it's a B2B, you know, Mm -hmm. just get them engaged in what they actually need. So, yeah. I think that's great. I think that's a common thread. I think we've mentioned to date in our episodes is to ask, Mm -hmm. ask questions. Mm -hmm. In this case, ask Mm -hmm. your members. Other cases, ask your current clients, get their feedback, get get insight. And yeah. like I said in our last show with, um, well, one of the other shows we recorded with, Chelsea okay. Acewright, we were talking about um, marketing for Instagram. And that will okay. actually help you build your avatar. So like you said, mm. if you've already been in business, if you've already, you know, it can be 10 years, 20 down, sometimes that changes because, you know, Correct. the world changes every day. You know, if your avatar is at the same place that they were 10 years ago, we have a problem. We have a problem. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think think asking is important. One of the other things I found about membership, and you mentioned, which I think it's, for me, it's kind of hard to even enter, to be the person to enter. When I see the offerings that a lot of people offer for memberships, Mm -hmm. I don't find value in it. And it's stuff that other organizations offer. So discount on some kind of weird health insurance or car Mm -hmm, rental, discount mm -hmm. on car rental or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it may be. If I'm already with an organization that offers that, I don't look at that as a benefit now that you're Mm -hmm. asking me to pay $350 and up to be a member. To me, that's just, honestly, I call it junk. So I'll go through mm-hmm. the list of memberships mm-hmm. and I'll cross out all the things that I don't need, all the things that I don't want, and all the things I find of no value. And whatever's left, Correct. I then ask myself, is this worth this, what they're asking for? And then on top of that, with the events that you have ongoing throughout the year, how much more am I going to have to invest just to participate? Correct. Absolutely. And that's what you talk about is a, a very key point in value. So when people sit down, what value are you bringing to the table that's missing that I can't get it already, you know? And and people forget that. And I think it's sometimes in the aspect of I just use the word as ego, you know, uh, within the brand that, you know, what we have, people are going to want. Or we've been doing this so long when you mentioned the amount of years and, and, and 
have never sat down to decide, well, maybe what we're doing does not apply anymore. You know, lifestyle is really important to people. So things change. We just introduced ourselves as now we're mom, mompreneurs, you know, mm-hmm. mom entrepreneurs going. So our life has changed. You know, the needs are different. We don't, we're not, even our eye and what we're looking for is not the same. So, you know, I, I have an opportunity tomorrow to do a, a, a TED talk on brand voice and brand tone, and this is where this plays in. If your message, your tone of your message can change depending on what you're looking for. You know, your voice may stay consistent that we're, you know, informal, we're, you know, community driven, we're, you know, about um, a unity. Maybe that's your message, but the tone of it may change because of the lifestyle and language and the the. the cultural diversity that is coming into the world more and more. And so then value plays into it. You know, it's like, what do I have to offer people that I look at, like you decipher the list, the person on the other end should be breaking that list down before you break that list down, you know, to say these things people don't really value. They may come. That doesn't mean they're enthusiastic about coming. I always say people may come to an event because they just have to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's part of the job. The industry, you know, shows up there. But they're not really excited about it because the content is never good anymore. That's still something of value that a member wants to get, you know? So it is it's absolutely very important to look at the value of what you offer. Yeah, and then it's the, like you said, they're not interested. And then sometimes they get stuck in a rut and they're doing the same thing every year versus saying, Correct. okay, we did this last year. What worked, yeah. what didn't, send out some surveys mm-hmm. to the people who attended. Mm-hmm. What can we do mm-hmm. differently next year, not only to offer variety, but to also mm-hmm. add more value, or offer a better value? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is where um, experiential marketing comes in because it's about the experience. That's what the, the whole uh, term and practice was birthed out of. And in order to do it well, it's exactly what you said. You have to look back on what was done the year before and see what worked and didn't work. And that involves some research, you know, before you just jump into planning what you're used to planning every single year. You're going to have to research some. And the best thing is when you do have members that you can go to and it's not just blanket, you know, blank slate completely where you're like, okay, I don't even know where to go. You know, it's, it's more time that you would have to invest. But if you have members, you have constituents, you have guests, people who come before, they're that opportunity to say, okay, so tell us what would you like to see, you know, mm-hmm. well, how much you're able to deliver, you all can decide. But, you know, that is what people are looking for. They really want an experience. They want content that they come into and they're like wowed by it or blown away by it. And the beautiful thing is when they turn around and never expected or saw it coming and they walk out of that room like, Mm -hmm. got so much more than I even thought about. Right. When you over deliver, that's always the key. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you have an event, you don't over deliver you didn't do a good job. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, when I used to do events, I don't know, I was just always wanting to make sure that there was more than enough. So that way when people yeah. left, they were like, oh my God, Bailey, I had, the, you know, I had an awesome time. It was great. So let me ask you this question. What would be a good way, if we're doing an event or we're doing a membership or anything, what would be a good way to identify our audience? Because I think we talked last time <laughs> I apologize. I'm just thinking to the conversation we had when you when you were mentioning that you know people have have events, but they don't even know who they're targeting. They don't even know who, mm-hmm. who they want to come. 
So what would be a good way to identify that? And it is so because you think, well, you should know, you know. <laughs> right. But you know how many people don't know? Um, you know how many people I sit in the room with that I ask them, okay, so tell me who your target audience is. They go, well, we think it's, um, it seems like they, and you're like, what? Wow. <laughs> and that's happened to me twice in the last two months with very big organizations. They're two big, one big company and one big organization where they just drew a blank. They really have. And they said, it's been too long, Karen, since we have asked who they are. We we do events and we put them on and we kind of look around the room and that's it. And you and I know, anyone out there listening knows, that's very hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very hard to look at a person. You're making a lot of assumptions is the bottom line. You're making a lot of assumptions. You You can't even tell people's age anymore, right. you know. Uh, so at the end of the day, in order to do that, this is, again, goes back to research. So, and this goes back to you asking. And if you don't have them in front of you, you're going to have to dig and find out. You're going to have to do some really good, you may have to do some focus groups. You may have to do some user and profile interviews. You know, you may have to look at other models that have been successful. Look at your competition you know, and who they actually serve. You may have to start attending some things to start to see who's in the room so that you can capture this type of information. You know, there are other things behind the scenes like, you know, social media, you know, Mm -hmm. going into your Twitter account and looking at some of the demographics that they actually have, you know, there to get get some analytics, your Instagram, your Facebook, you know, particularly a LinkedIn is really good. You know, they'll Mm -hmm. tell you even people's professional positions that they actually hold, you know, so things like that you're going to have to do because otherwise you, again, you know, it'll, it'll be a consistent pet peeve that you just named of going to things and they really just deliver enough, but they don't over deliver. And I'm like you, every event that I've ever produced or managed or even created a concept, I want people to walk away with this wow effect. You know, it's one reason I got very interested in experiential marketing because it dealt more than just opening the doors and people having a good time. It's more of a sensory field. You know, you start really digging into people's, you know, that feel-good moment for them. You know, what does it smell like, taste like, feel like, what do they see? You know, how do they experience the room, the colors that go into it? You know, then the content, you know, what are they looking for? What has, what is the industry doing as so monopolized that I don't want to do that anymore. So those are the things that you're going to have to do when you talk about your target audience. And I mean, this is homework for two clients that I have right now. They're spending the next month doing that before we even come in and do experiential marketing for them because I won't come into a place and, and, and jump into that if it hasn't been done. Cause then we're just like swimming around. <clears throat> That's like swimming in the ocean and you're like, I know I don't know nothing about direction. <laughs> so you I'm going to be sitting out here. Oh, I'm actually going to die. <laughs> right. You don't, know which, you don't know where the island is. You're just swimming. And you're swimming in circles. Yeah, you're just and don't swimming. And you're looking around. And they, he's like, I don't know which way to go, but I'm going to try this. You know, right. I, I, you know, I'm not mad at the dive. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to drown. Right. You're going to drown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Let me ask you this: what What about the planning a mole? And I and I say that a, a mole in a good way. So if you have an event, mm-hmm. let's say you have a conference, having mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that you specifically place that 
mm-hmm. actually participate in the event. You know them. You've had yeah. a previous conversation with them. Y'all have had a meeting one-on-one or with the group, however, whatever the dynamic is. But mm-hmm. you place them in the in the event to act as an event attendee to then have mm-hmm. conversations with other event attendees to get honest feedback. Mm-hmm. I find sometimes mm-hmm. when, like with focus groups or when it's primed and they see somebody with a clipboard or if there's a survey, some people are very transparent. You know, I'll keep mm-hmm. it 100. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll tell it like it is. Others, not so much. The passive-aggressive, they don't want to offend anyone. They, you know, avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if but they're, I've, maybe, I feel like they're more prone to share if it's another, mm-hmm. if they feel like it's another event goer, that they're just kind of mm-hmm. talking candidly to. And it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a long, drawn-out conversation. It can be, oh, you right. know, what did you think about the event? Or what did you think about this breakout seminar? Or have you heard this person before? And just to kind of get feedback from what's going on. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, well, the, I always say the, the spontaneity of that is what is great. You know, um, people will talk to you, and the opportunity to get what they they're experiencing right then and there is a great opportunity to do so. So, you know, people do it all the time. They place people in a room, and they act as attendees, and they turn around and get information. I know someone here in Washington, D.C., he, he, he founded a business off of that. He, they would do, they called them experiments. And they would have these events, and there would be at least about five to six people placed throughout the room who would uh, definitely appear as attendees, and they would probe people, you know, to get information, and he would use it in order to develop the next event. Um, he would also use it to, to figure out what was going on in the marketplace um, in order to be able to produce and be more innovative in the marketplace as well. So, and it would work extremely well for him. Um, so I think that, again, he, and then what he, the feedback he gave me is that, you know, people are in the moment, and in the moment they are willing to share. It's the same thing that you're saying. So the information was, like, spot on, you know. Because, again, you know, you walk away from an event, you're excited about it. Let's say they do over-deliver. You know, you ride, you go home, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day. You may feel a little bit on a high, but you can't remember everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so right in in that moment, you're like, if someone asks you, okay, you know, how was that so-and-so? You'll be able to ramble it off five minutes after they go off the stage, Right. So that is the opportunity to, to, to do that as well. So, yeah, I know someone who did that and did it very well, several years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an opportunity to really grab conversation, to be innovative in the next one that he brought to the table, to be innovative in what was going on in the marketplace, and to be able to give that information to other companies. He used mm-hmm. it for that as well um, because he got real-time information with people who those, those, those brands wanted to serve, and it served him well. Yeah. Okay. See, great minds think alike. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so what are some, okay, so I guess we did mention some ways that we can go about to identify the audience. Just basically the starting point, I would guess, would be to ask questions. Um, this the yeah. example we just gave. Are there any other ways that you can identify your audience or is that pro- the primarily the main focus? 
No, well, you know, I think the, the primary is it's, it's, it's just research and hold. You know, mm-hmm. how you conduct that, there's, there's multiple ways ways to do that. So, you know, observation is still one. You know, that's still a form of research, and you can watch people and kind of what we just finished the conversation. You can also watch people because it depends on what you're trying to achieve. So if you're very clear on the demographics of your audience, but you're not clear on the psychographics of your audience, meaning you don't understand their thinking, their values, what's important to them, you know, though you may be in that audience more to observe their behavior, you know, so mm-hmm. that may be the type of research you need and which is the next level uh, of it as well. Because, I, you know, I do argue with people when they say, you know, psychographics is not important. I was like, in whose world? You know, is it not important? You know what right. I'm saying? I'm like, please. People, you know, people now go sometimes vote based on psychographics. You know what right. I'm saying? They, they don't necessarily vote traditionally like they did anymore. So, you know, if you target someone, you know, based on their income and their hobby and, you know, their religion and their ethnicity and, you know, what their family size is, then that is demographic. And this is the, the, the argument I have with this person because they was like, you know, we, 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 we didn't do psychographics because, you know, we, um, we based it on their hobby. Well, hobby is a demographic. It's not a psychographic. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, yes, you did. <laughs> so de- mm-hmm. psychographics are hugely important because people still feel. You know, and uh, most of our conversation, this is what we're talking about. So if you turn around and you're deciphering the value of a membership, you're now deciphering it based on demographics, correct? You're, de- mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're deciphering it because you're like, I need to get something out of it. The main, re- the main thing is that you said I need, okay? Right. So as a result, the research is deeper than that. So you may go into it, again, understanding fully what your demographics are, and then you're like, okay, we need to know more about them because we're adding a social component to the annual conference that we do, okay? Mm-hmm. In order to do that, you need to know more about your members and what they look like and how much money they make and things like that. It's not the only thing anymore because if you find in the psychographics that they are really interested in a relaxation, you know, they're interested in being in a destination type of place, that, you know, they have uh, how their kids feel about certain places that they go. You know, that starts to play into what you plan, right? Right. So, and it plays into how you market to them too. So the words and terms and the messaging that you use starts to shift a little bit too. So observation is really important and psychographics is important in research too. Empathy is important, you know? So then you start to look at people, again, that feeling, that touchy-feely part of everything Mm -hmm comes into it too when you're looking at your target audience as well. And I think I've seen that play a lot more into it now because we're in a world where causes are really important. You know, they're really big for people. Um, What they put their money behind, what they put their time behind, how they volunteer for things has become extremely important. You know, and we're seeing, we're going to see that at a heightened awareness in 2020 Mm -hmm. because of election year. Yeah, I think emo- I think the whole psycho part is is important because honestly, that's the foundation of what we do and what we don't do based off of how we Correct. feel about something. If we like how it feels, if, like you said, if it relaxes yeah. us and we want to be relaxed, cool. If it pumps us up and because we want to have some energy and that makes us have energy, cool. So I think yeah. that's the yeah. foundation of that. So once we identify, yeah. so it sounds like the two important parts. And like you said, there's different ways to do it, but to do a pre Mm -hmm. and then to do a Mm -hmm. post. So pre, ask 
what they want, ask what they need, ask what they look for, ask, ask, ask. And then the post yeah. is to ask, but from obviously what experience did you have? What did you like? What didn't you like? What would you like to see next time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Absolutely. once we identify yeah. what, what would be a good way to, and I know this is kind of a loaded question because it depends on what type of business you have. So I guess I'm asking this to see if there's anything in general that any type uh-huh. of business can use or consider. But how then, once you know who your audience is, once you've identified them, how would you go about reaching them? You know, I think the the thing is that's where strategy comes in. That's the how. That's the how. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you then could create your goal your objectives, and then you say, well, how am I going to get to these people? That's when strategy comes into it. And I think that's when you, you, you're not – it's another level, I think, of research because I think that's when you start to develop. But what is, what is the strategy that we're going to use that also supports the business model that we actually have? So strategically, what are we going to do? So are we going – how are we going to market to them? So we're going to use social media, traditional media. We're going to advertise. We're going to use some level of PR. You know, how are we going to get to them in that way? Because in, in the research that you did pre, you know, and you should really be finding some of those things up about how do they want you to deliver information to them, you know, so that you can get to that target audience maybe a little faster and not as slow as spending lots of dollars in order to do so, right? Mm-hmm. So even partnerships can be very important of how you get to them too. So is there an organization that aligns with your organization, and I'm talking about corporate, nonprofit, it doesn't matter when I say organization, that has a a similar target audience, but there's a gap between the two of you. Like you do something a little different than what they do, Mm -hmm. and you all are really willing to do some level of cross-promotion across partnership in order to access one another's target audience, Mm -hmm. Okay. That is extremely helpful. I'm seeing more of that happen, too, when before people would be like, oh, no, mm-mm. No, because they're going to grab our people, and they're not going to, you know, not people going to go that way. But what you have to understand or what you should know is what do you all do differently than what they do, you know? And at the end of the day, you are all going to end up supporting one another and bringing these audiences together that have some similarity, meaning they have a need. Well, maybe they're small business owners, and the need is to – to gain more access to capital, okay? But you serve them a little different. I do programming for them, but you turn around and provide only um, educational type of resources. Well, we can bring those two together, you Mm -hmm. know? We can bring our programming together. You can bring all the data and resources you have, and then we're going to create a very happy marriage for that small business owner, okay? Mm -hmm. And in turn, we get the opportunity to know more about who they are and create strategies that will build a stronger brand, you know? So at the end of the day, I think what is also shifting is this whole thing of community over collab, I mean, collaboration over uh, competition. Mm -hmm. So a community over competition, more people are like, let's join forces, build a stronger brand. Doesn't mean my brand is going to suffer, you know, but my brand is actually going to be stronger. Because you have 100 people, 100 people are going to come over here while my 100 people are going to come over there. Now you got 200 and I have 200, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's where strategy becomes very important. You know, that is that how. How are we going to get to this target audience and we're going to be able to keep them as Mm -hmm. well? Yes, that's That is that that strategic, we say, thinking muscle that you have to use it or lose it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I mentioned that before in a little different way with this whole social media thing as far as the whole collaboration. I like what you said. That person has 100, somebody else has 100. Mm-hmm. I was saying to somebody, and we were talking about legit followers, if someone has 10,000, somebody else has six, somebody has five, you get all of y'all together, next thing you know there's 100,000 people that you mm-hmm. both can cross-market to. So when you're doing something and you have an event, not only am mm-hmm. I there to support, and promote so I'm just not promoting your stuff but then you'll see post pictures of maybe me helping you with some part of the event and me actually attending the event so it's oh she's really you know she's really connected to this person it wasn't something mm-hmm. that you know she was just posting on her you know on her Instagram feed now granted if the person is on the other side of the country that might be a little difficult but you know mm-hmm. if you can just you know like you said build that community to do that is stronger than numbers and everybody is not your competition and even if they are your competition it's one of those adages that say you can have a hundred percent of nothing or right you know some percent of something so that's really what it boils down to yeah yeah Yeah, you have to you you really have to you know someone asked me the other day he was like well what what is your business model i'm like well one if you ask me that question you definitely don't know you know, because he, he didn't he didn't know what a business model was. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, you're going to have to sit down and really figure out what your business model is and that, that that's taking it through a process. And part of part of understanding what your business model is, is that they're what we call channel, you know, your channels, you know, and that's how people get information from you. And then that ends up being part of your strategy as well. So how do you want information to filter to the audience in which you want to serve, whether it's market segmentation or it's a target audience as a whole, how do you want information to get to them? And then you look at key partners because someone has to sometimes help you deliver that message, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be uh, maybe you are an organization that gets grants or maybe you're an organization that gets sponsorship or fundraising, you know, um, or again, your members bring a, a, a nice hefty chunk of how you receive your revenue, um, or you have subscribers, and that's how they see it. So how, you know, they're, they're, at times there are key partners who come into that that help you accomplish that goal, and you, you, you can figure out the best way to do that. Sometimes they are just financial, and then they step back, and they're not involved in the strategic part of it, meaning the, the exact channel that you use to get to your audience. However, they are extremely important in you delivering that channel. They're extremely important that you create that strategy because they provide you with the financial, you know. Mm-hmm. So you really have to sit down and figure it out. And I, I agree. I, I think that in, and instead of viewing it in a competitive, negative way, you, bring, you, you, you view it as a collaboration with your competition, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that way, you know. And it doesn't have to be that something you all do together every month. You know, it doesn't right. have to be that, and it doesn't have to be something that people physically see. You know, it could right. be again behind the scenes. You know, we we make deals behind the scenes with people where it's like, okay, I'll give a little bit of this part to you. You know, and and I talk particularly about membership. So maybe we'll offer your membership th- members this, and you all offer my members this. And we don't necessarily do an event together or some annual conference together. But we do cross over in that particular way. So that may be a test for somebody if they're hesitant, you know, like, oh, I don't know if, you know, we could pull that off or I don't know if, you know, my stakeholders will feel comfortable with that. You, you could test it just a little bit in that particular way. Like maybe we'll, like you said, cross-promote. So maybe we right. put your event out, you know, and then maybe you put our event out. And we see if we gain any leverage from that. And then you can measure it, you know, and, and, and that's a simple way without – also with a low cost, if you talk about is it feasible, 
Yeah. Right. And I think a different another way too is well, not another way, but in addition to present the pros and cons. That way it'll let yeah. them know that you've actually given some thought about the process, that it's not something that mm-hmm. popped in your head and you just you know, you just jump right into it. And it will let them know, okay, well she's being strategic or he's being strategic about her thought process and the process yeah. of us working together. And, you know, I'm quite sure that they'll have their pros and cons. Well, this is a con or these are a couple more pros. But if you can present it to where you see that there's more pros and the pros are, you know, greater than the cons, that's, mm-hmm. that's the proof in the pudding. That'll speak for itself. And then even when you're, you're mapping out the pros and the cons, you may realize, oh, this might not be a good idea because, you know, because you yeah. see the con sitting yeah. in front of you. And that'll stop you right before you go pitching to somebody and then realize in the midst of it, oh, you know, I really don't have anything to gain from this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, and and the pros and the cons, you know, because it really end up being even a, a little SWOT analysis. These are strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of actually doing a partnership with this particular mm-hmm. person. You know, and and really the opportunity is what you want to hone on in. You know, you want to see do opportunities come out of this partnership with XYZ company, you know. Right. Um, and even just if you're, if you're an individual, you know, um, and you're a, a solo entrepreneur and you're trying to, you know, get more awareness or recognition for, for your brand, you know, it's, it, it you could still do the same thing. It, the conversation that we're having doesn't just affect a company you know, right. quote, unquote, you know, a solo entrepreneur could do the same thing because, you know, your hustle could sometimes be harder. So at the end of the day, who do you collaborate with um, and do things together and cross promote with that are going to increase both of your brands, particularly if you're both a solo entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have on my manifesting 300 visions list people that I want to partner with and oh, cool. knowing that, you know, there'll be an added exchange of value. And I think that's really what mm-hmm. it boils down to. You bringing something to the mm-hmm. table as well. So let me ask yeah, you this. absolutely. Once we identify and we reach, what's a, what are some great ways to engage our audience? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I think, well, first I'll talk about the strategic face-to-face. That's a great way to engage your audience, you know. Um, even if you have a, or an organization that doesn't do but one event a year, that is an opportunity to engage your audience. The difference is is you only do it once a year. Now, what else do you do, you know, throughout the year to engage your audience? So traditional marketing is still in effect. It has not gone away. Despite what people say, it still <laughs> is. And, the, and if you know your target audience you know what areas of traditional marketing you still need to use. So, you know, if you have, like I have a client who a lot of their uh, audience is over the age of 55, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, we still have to do direct mail. That is extremely popular for us. It still is beneficial to us. It still brings numbers in. And they had a marketing firm prior to that said, get rid of that. So you know what happened? Their numbers dropped. Mm You know what happened? They had to get involved as an organization and start to get involved in their marketing, even though they had hired someone. It was a bad move. So the other thing is, you know, digital, digital marketing. So not just social media, digital marketing. So if you have an email list, 
that people really pay attention to. Your subscribers are uh, strong and they open what you send. There's another way to engage with them, you know. Why do they engage in your newsletter? Because you now have strong content. You either curate it or it's organic, meaning you originally write the content. You know, um, you provide them with great resources within your content. How frequent it comes is up to you. You can gauge that, but you, again, let your audience tell you, oh, we only want this two times a month. No, we want it every week. Whatever they tell you, that's what you should adhere to because they're the ones that you need to measure those analytics to know if they're engaging in what you get. And then underneath the digital marketing is social media as well. You know, what platforms are working for you the best? I always say to people, you may not need to be on every platform, plus it's a lot of work. So is your platform just Twitter? Is it just LinkedIn? Is it just Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it Pinterest? Or is it all of them? You know, bless you if it's all of them. But, you know, that because it's a lot of work, you know, because what has to happen is when you're on all those platforms, you then have to figure out, is my audience the same across all those platforms? And if it's not, then you have to start delivering different messages. That's when I talk about that tone. They have to change on Twitter than the way it is on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? The articles may be different. Instagram is photo heavy. So the, the work changes, you know, according to that, too. The other one is PR is still in effect as well, too. You know, are you an organization that needs that to engage with your members, you know, because they are still people who are readers, you know, so they're looking for stories that are written on you, whether they come across from a digital standpoint or they come across from a more traditional standpoint or they come from an e-sign standpoint. That's another way that you're going to, you need to engage with them. But this, again, it, it, you know, it's like that 360, that little wheel here. It goes back to that research in the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you ask them, you know, how do you want us to engage with you? You know, how do you want, because sometimes you have methods that you're using that they'll say, oh, but we use this more than anything, and y'all don't even have that. You know, one of you are, are, you know, don't have a newsletter at all, and people are like, we would like to see a newsletter from you. You know, and and, and 67% says that. So now what? You're going to need to create a newsletter. You know, so that's that's how you engage. And that's what the, if you think about it, when you sign up for stuff from the big companies, they'll ask you, depending on what it is. I mean, heck, even your doctor's office asks you, how do you want them to communicate with you? Do you want them to call you with mm-hmm. the results? They you sure do. Do you the results? Do you want to log into the Correct. portal to get the results? They'll ask you that. So I guess like you said, it all boils down to knowing your target audience, knowing how yeah. they want to have information delivered to them knowing how they communicate, knowing the, mm-hmm. you know, the psycho part of it, what makes them happy, mm-hmm. what makes them sad, what makes them tick, what do they mm-hmm. do when they're feeling mm-hmm. that way, what do they yeah. do when they want to feel a certain way. So if you mm-hmm. have an event, and like you mentioned earlier, and this is serene and it's, you know, relaxation, what do they look for when they are wanting to be relaxed. Do they take yoga class? Do they take Mm -hmm. a dance class? Some people, Mm -hmm. you know, some men, they have stressful jobs, so they want to go to the gym and just, you know, Mm -hmm. release all of that aggression. And it's, you know, so for somebody like you and me, we like, oh, no, that's just too much work. But for somebody Mm -hmm. like that, that's (laughs) relaxing to them because they get to release all that pent up, you know, energy. So, yeah, yeah. So if you turn around right. and you're planning something for them and you don't know, and they get there and there's no gym, ooh, you know, 
what they read the information. That's like, there's no gym. They're not staying there. And then they they may not even go. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not meeting that, that, that need, you know, this is, this no longer is about what's in their pocket and the fact that they, you know, their age and that's not what it is. You know, that's why I always remind people social media is, has the word social on it for a reason, Right. you know, um, you because know that funny. is why people are drawn to it. You know, it's funny that you, you, you just made me think the, the person who's going to CrossFit is not the same person who's going to Planet Fitness. Okay, I'm going to leave right there. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, both. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I, and I'm not even going to say they both work out, but you get my point. Yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely. And they they have different audiences. They, the, Like I said, it, it goes back to that small business owner situation. It also is the same with the scenario you just presented. Their need is different. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know even for myself, there are gyms here in this area that I would go to that the amount that I was spending per month was pretty hefty. Because there were things in there that I wanted, and there were also things that I needed, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. So there was amenities that I could not get other places. So I spent the money right. to go in there, you know, and they knew there was like she's the audience that we're looking for, that understands that she wants da 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 da. Does she need them, you know, does she need them? Not necessarily, but she wants these things and she's willing to pay for them, right. you know. And then there's other places where you're like, I don't need none of those frills, <laughs> none of those That's amenities. They have no, I just need the gym. <laughs> and CrossFit, and honestly, CrossFit, because I've done it before, and this is not a dig at them at all, but they barely have a gym. They give you the bare necessities of what you mm-hmm. need to get your cardio mm-hmm. on, to, to bulk up, mm-hmm. get in, get out. Mm-hmm. We're going to work you for the next mm-hmm. hour while you're here. Mm-hmm. And, if anything, and if nothing else, you're going to know that you worked out when you left. That's CrossFit. That's it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, the, and, and again, they understand their audience. So they're not trying to change anything, no. you know? They they're not trying to create, yeah. not trying to create anything that doesn't serve their audience. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so yeah. what would be the next three steps? We're going to enter into our three power plays. So what would be the okay. next three steps that our listeners would take to effectively reach, well, identify, reach, and engage their audience? You know, I think I'll back up and then I'll just probably state them plainly in, in, in the steps. Um, one, sit down with your key stakeholders. That includes your team, not just the people at the head of the table. You know, it's the people that also have to be in the field with the target audience that you want to serve. And let them be part of looking at the goal for your company. The next thing is, is then create the objectives that you want to see in whatever, whether it's experiential marketing, strategic marketing, brand marketing, content marketing. What are the objectives that you all are trying to uh, uphold that are going to support your goal? Now, the thing in the objectives is the objectives can be assigned to different departments. You know, so the marketing department gets an objective, the finance department gets an objective, but at the end of the day, they all help match up with that goal. Okay, because this is the umbrella. I always tell people, look at the goal as the umbrella. And if you want to look at the little raindrops of the objectives, because, again, when rain hits and it dries up, it's done, boom. But the umbrella still stands up there, right? Mm-hmm. So you can check off those objectives. You know, they're the short, short-term things. And then it's the how, you know, and that's the strategy. So we're going to sit down and we're going to brainstorm on how we're going to engage with these people. But, again, we have to know our audience to do so. And if we figure out – 
you know, we haven't surveyed them in a while. We haven't talked to them in a while. We haven't, you know, found out if their lifestyle has changed. We haven't even looked to see if the audience has shifted some, you know, if they don't look like us anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not totally thinking like us anymore. They still believe in us, but they've shifted some. you got to ask those particular questions. And then you start strategically going through some of the things we talked about, the types of marketing that we're going to do. You know, are we going to do any face-to-face with them? Are we going to shift our content a little bit or what we have is just great? You know, those are the strategies that you start to come up with and plan accordingly. But then you also have to look at what are the outcomes, you know, that you want to have. You know, what are we looking to get out of this? And, you know, people say ROI, the return on investment, but there's different types of return on investment, you know. You know, so is it just money focus? Is it just sales? Is it equity that you all want as well? Is it is it a share of the marketplace that you want as well? So when you start saying those types of returns, you know, you got to have outcomes because, again, you want to check off too. So, you know, the, 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 other, the last step of that outcomes or what we call KPIs, the key performance indicators. You know, as a department, if I sit in the marketing department, we want to know that we contributed, we checked off our objective, we contributed to the goal, but then we're able to line item out the things that we actually did, you know, that impacted that goal. So there's your impact because we engaged with the audience in this multiple ways through marketing then we were able to hit the bottom line, check off our objectives. We would hit the bottom line of the goal of the organization because say it wants to increase their market share by 15%. We contributed 5% to that. There's the win-win, you know, Mm -hmm. of what we do. So those are the things I think it really walks through what we call a basic marketing analysis or projections of, of, of that. So really looking at that or those steps is really more like five of them that you would actually do, mm-hmm. but you have to do them. And I think you can't let so long go, you know, with a company, with a brand, you know, like I said, whether you're an individual or not, that you don't actually ask anymore. Because I think we're just in a world now that things just change so frequently. And you said it in the beginning that you can't let 10 years go by anymore. Right. And you don't figure out how you're engaging with your clients. Or you can customer. barely let a year go by. And for the entrepreneurs yeah, that are listening, so. yeah. So for the solopreneurs that are listening, that concept applies to you too. Um, I know Karen yep. was speaking more from a, a a company perspective. Now, granted, your I don't want to say the checks may not be as many because it may be just you or a couple of people. So mm-hmm. you know you're not going to have a whole team. But at the end of the day, like Karen was saying, there's still those five things that you need to check off. It might not be as grand and it might not be as spread out as far. You might have to, you know, go narrow and go deep, which is fine. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to listen and think, oh, my God, that sounds like so much I have to do. But, you know, there is a foundation. And one of the things I wanted to say is if you're, because we're talking about marketing for this month, if you're not, reaching your target audience and your advertising and your promotion is going in vain, I think one of the important things you need to do is ask yourself, have you done an avatar? Have you done research on your current um, Mm -hmm. clients? Even if you only have five clients, what made them want to purchase your product? What made them excited about what you do? Why did they buy into you? And that would be something that once you find that out, create that avatar from that if you haven't already done so. And if you have, just tweak it. And then go find mm-hmm. copycats of that. Duplicate those types of people when you're going to run your ads. Look for those same types of people, and then you'll find. And obviously, your messaging and your ad and layout and, and graphics and stuff have to be on point. But 
you know, all things considered, if that foundation piece right there is not in play, everything that we talked about in this show becomes null and void. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to keep it 100. It, it does. It does. And, 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 and based on what you're saying, if you're finding that, just stop. I mean, just pause, you know, right. for a second and sit down and do the work. Really, sit down and do the work. That's what you have to do. And it does not matter whether you're a company or you're a solo entrepreneur, you're rolling and you're just consulting with people. And you're, But if you're at a point where you're like, I want more clients, then you're going to have to do what's necessary to get more clients because that's right. still engagement, either way that you look at it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay, Karen, so how can our listeners get in contact with you? So they can actually um, use the website, which is KarenRBaker.com. It's KarenRBaker.com. They can go there and um, contact us through there. And then LinkedIn is always the best place, I think, again, because it is a business platform, I always say. So networking with people there is always good, and you can find me there as Karen R. Baker as well on LinkedIn. So, yeah, excited to talk to people, really connect with people about community. So absolutely. Okay, Karen, thank you so much for joining us on CEO Convo. And to all my listeners out there, I want to thank you again. And remember, business is a lifestyle. Use everyone. Don't misuse anyone. Until next time. Thanks again for joining us this week on CEO Convo. Visit our website, hustlertoceo.com, and subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you're loving the combo we're serving up, please give us a five-star rating or tell a friend. Don't forget to rep your CEO status and order your Hustler to CEO gear today. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of CEO Combo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs.